Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So this, I believe, should be episode 100. I'm usually not someone to go to get two uh, wrapped up around big round numbers. Um, if, any, if anything, really, I should probably, we should probably be celebrating, what would it be, 104? Um, it's probably a more interesting number, just that's um, you know, two years of doing it. But 100 is a nice, fun uh, number, nevertheless. Um, and while it's... I don't necessarily want to do an episode just celebrating that, but it, it got me thinking as I was like getting ready for this recording and saw notice that it had a nice big round number. I was um, saying, can we maybe like send this episode with balloons? Is is that yes. a thing that we can do? <laughs> there you go. We can send it with a hundred emoji balloons. Well, you know, like like the messages effects. Just like somehow we can. I have to make that into overcast so that when this arrives, it'll be shown with balloons. Sure. Or or I would allow you to use some confetti. Um, oh yeah. Can I can I license your confetti? <laughs> You, you you could license my confetti. I mean, I appreciate that that, that that your your instinct was to license rather than to just copy uh, like everyone else does. <laughs> of course. Um, anyway, so it made me think about um, longevity and about things lasting a long time, and it seemed like an interesting topic to maybe unpack a little bit because I think one thing that I know for myself is it's easy to to sort of desire that longevity in the sense of seeing someone else who has been doing something for a long time um, and sort of desire that for yourself and, you know, have that be in some ways the goal. Um, But that can also be an intimidating thing. And so it seemed interesting to unpack. And the first place, um, before we dive into something like longevity, um, I think the best place to start is to start off talking about survivorship bias um and there's a great uh, xkcd comic about this that i'll have linked in the show notes but survivorship bias if you're not sure if you're not familiar with the concept is sort of a logical fallacy where you concentrate on people or things that succeed and overlook those that don't and this is typically because of a lack of visibility of the things that don't um but it's easy to kind of get this impression that wow all these things are succeeding and um like you know, your, your endeavors, for example, are not. And so you feel bad about yourself. Um, whereas what you're really seeing is the only things that you ever get to see, like are the things that are successful and you're missing and not aware of the, you know, the 10 times or a hundred times, um, number of projects or endeavors that didn't get off the crown in the first place or weren't successful. And so it's just something to always, as we dive into some of a topic like this, I wanted to bring up, um, just to kind of set a good frame for the discussion that you know it's like even even just in this case like we've done up you know we've been able to do this podcast for almost two years now and 100 episodes and that's great um but it's hard to kind of learn from that success in a in a interesting way because usually there's probably far more interesting lessons um from things that didn't make it you know in terms of mistakes to mistakes to avoid um or you know luck and chance or just lots of determination that went into it so just something to keep in mind that you you're aware of the things that succeed for to far greater extent than you are to the things that fail oh yeah i mean and this 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 is true of like so many things you know way beyond just you know, the software business or the app business or even you know, things like podcasts like this applies to pretty much everything in life like you know you another uh, kind of similar type of thing to be aware of is um, i think i'm stealing this from merlin who probably stole it from somebody else who was smart but uh the idea being that like you are comparing your backstage to someone else's like 
on stage or front stage, I guess. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sorry, I'm probably mangling this. But the point is, like, you know, when you see other things in the world, you are seeing, like, the polished, presented, edited version of them out there in the world. And you might be comparing that, you know, you might be being compa- be comparing your own work from your point of view, which is unpolished, unedited, you know, like the raw version of it that's in your head or that you're making, you know, and and you might feel bad about what you're making because it doesn't stack up to what you see out in the world in some way. But the reality is, like, you are seeing someone else's final polished edited product. So you should only compare, if you're going to make such comparisons, which you don't even necessarily always need to, but if you're if you're going to make such comparisons, you should only compare that to what you can make as an edited final polished product not you know what comes out first yeah i mean it reminds me in some ways of like the classic things with something like instagram or uh facebook or a situation where like you, you you get this view of someone's life or their world that is these brief moments that are perfect rather than the moments on either side which could have been awful <laughs> oh um, yeah and so it's just an important thing to keep in mind that, yeah, it's a, it's a great point to be sure that you're being sort of being cynical in, in a good way about, um, the, you know, whether, whether you're looking at something that is reasonable to compare yourself to or not, or make sure you're comparing apples to apples because otherwise you're just going to be sort of frustrated or annoyed or sad uh, unnecessarily. So I was trying to think a little bit about, how in general like thing projects be- have success over the long term and um it's it's really not a particularly interesting uh conclusion but the thing that i just ultimately i, I like i thought of I've tried to going of different directions to talk about but the one that just came came to mind and i think is the most true is the reality that it ultimately is just comes down to showing up over and over and over again and ever and getting ever so slightly better over time that in general, like that process repeated over and over again is what uh, giving a project long-term success will look like. It's just continuing to show up every day uh, or in a case of like a podcast, like every week, just doing it and hopefully getting slightly better over time. Um, and then the result is what you end up with. Like I was thinking too how you and I have been podcasting for a pretty long time at this point. I looked it up and I think Build and Analyze's first episode was November 11th, uh, 2010, which is 6.9 years ago. And Developing Perspective, the show that I did before this, um, started July 13th, 2011, which is 6.2 years ago. So we've been combined doing this for a very long time. And if you go back and listen to those early episodes... And if you want some comedy, um, I'll have a link to the show notes uh, of the first episode of Developing Perspective that I did, um, you know, whatever, it was about six and a half years ago. And it is awful and terrible. And I recorded it <laughs> with a USB Logitech headset. That's like a gaming headset. That was the best mic I had available to me. And I kind of sound like I was trying to overemphasize um, I, in my mind from like public speaking training was like you need to talk slowly and carefully and that's the best way to communicate and so i ended up it almost sounds like i'm being played at like half speed because i was overly doing that and it's it's terrible but I, and but like in some ways i'm glad that it still exists out on the internet because it shows like it's taken me um 6.2 years to get to the point that i am now and i'm by no means necessarily a like amazing communicator on a podcast but i am a lot better than i am then and i am hopefully still getting better gradually over time 
And in order to get from here to there has been years of showing up essentially every week um, over that time and just trying to get better and learning from my mistakes and then trying to do it again. And that process, that iteration is what gets you there over the long term, that it isn't one of these things where, I, at least in my experience, it's not this like where you have these, it's like all of a sudden you're this, this massive runaway success or like things are just all of a sudden out of the gate. Awesome. It's like, no, it's lots and lots of preparation and experimentation and trying things. Um, but most, but, but in all of it, keeping at it, um, and not giving up instead, whenever you hit problems or difficulties or struggles to instead sort of turn yourself in a different direction and learn from that, but, um, just keep at it over time and, you know, you know, keep doing that for six or seven years. And, you know, maybe you can, you know, it's like you're able to then do it better and better and better. Yeah. And like, and kind of a, a, a parallel to survivorship bias, which you talked about earlier, um, is, I, I don't know if there's an official term for this, but I would say maybe like popularity bias by the time, so, you know, something like something in media, you know, it, w- whether it's like a podcast or a YouTube channel or, or even a, like a blog, um, by the time you have heard of it, you might have just found it and thought, wow, this came out of nowhere and and this person's really good at this. And man, I wish I could ever be that good at anything, you know, or, or something like that. Um, but you don't know how long that person has been building up that skill. Like they like they could have been, you know, blogging or podcasting for for seven years before you found them or before they launched like the that podcast or that YouTube channel or whatever, like they could have been doing that for a very long time. And so if you look at some of the, like, you know, making a YouTube video is, you know, depending on how fancy you want it to look, uh, it can, it can be, it can take you five minutes if you just do a quick, like, you know, webcam or phone kind of thing. Um, Or if you try to do like a professional, like MKBHD style gadget review, uh, that could take a week and a giant crew and $50,000 worth of equipment. Um, Like you don't, you don't know, it's it's easy to look at something to look at the output of something and see like wow that looks so good i could never do that but also like if you did it every week or every day for 7 years i bet you could do it and but you know you you, you have to know also that like there is that build up stage of of the skills of the audience of the budget or equipment if that's a, if that's applicable um like th- there's a, there's a build up that you probably aren't aware of because you probably didn't see it if you discovered this thing when it was already popular. And so don't let that discourage you either, uh, but know that it's there. Like, you know, I <laughs> I tried to make YouTube videos by making... So far, I've made one, like, real YouTube video with effort into it where I tried to review uh, last year's MacBook Pro with the touch bar. And I, I recently rewatched that video a couple of uh, days ago. And it's just terrible. Uh, there's so much about it that's just awful. <laughs> and I was trying, I, I was reaching too far for my current experience and skill level. Um, I was trying to make like a pro grade video as really a complete amateur. And I had a couple of good th- good pieces of equipment, but I didn't have everything I needed. I had no experience making video, really. I had no skill making video or being on camera, really. Um, and so by trying, by reaching too high as my very first one, I made something that wasn't very good. And it was so hard to make it that I haven't made one since. That was almost a year ago. And 
I haven't made a single video since because it was way too much work and I looked at and it, I got discouraged. I basically it's like it's like if you've ever tried to drive a stick shift and it's like if you start in fifth gear and then the car just stalls and you're like, well, I guess driving isn't a thing I can do. It's like, <laughs> no, like you, you, you miss like you got to start in first gear and build up, you know, over time. And and I did it totally wrong. I had the wrong expectations. It, I kind of had impossible expectations of myself, given my, my skill level at that time. Um, and I tried to do it and it didn't work and I got discouraged. That's a very dangerous and very common trap to fall into where the very first thing you try doesn't match what you're trying to emulate or the skill level that you think you need to have. Um, but that's, again, like, if I want to do that kind of YouTube thing, uh, I'm going to have to start as a beginner and and start making worse videos more frequently um, and then maybe over time build up to what I had originally envisioned. But that's going to take time if I want to do it. Yeah, and I think that is the like such such a key point because it's the like the most vital thing is to actually start. Like the fir- the hardest thing in many ways is just that initial start. Like you did a great job of actually doing it. Like you actually sat you you made that first video. But the thing that's tricky is you need to understand that that is, that starting point is almost is hopefully the worst thing you will ever make. Because if like in some ways because <laughs> God, I hope so. Like that's your starting point, right? Like you're hoping that you will gradually be progressing from there. Um, and I think it's helpful. I don't know. It, it's maybe it's just to, to make myself feel better. But I, sometimes I find it constructive <laughs> to think of projects in those terms. Like this first thing that I make is hopefully the worst thing I'll ever make. And that's okay. Like, I don't need to start with the, like, perfection in mind. Like, I'm never going to be able to start off perfectly and then, like, er- like have already arrived. It's like, no, it's like, I'm going to start off making something probably not so great and then make something slightly less terrible and then slightly less terrible. And eventually it gets, over time, that process repeated over and over again is how you ultimately are able to do something good at the end. And I think that's, in like... I as whenever I've been given some advice similar to this, I've always sort of hated it in quietly because um, it, it's sort of the unfortunate reality of really what that means is like, well, you have to work hard. Like it's going to take effort. It's going to be difficult, and there aren't a lot of shortcuts really. Um, like the shortcuts are preparation in terms of if you can bring to bear skills you developed, you know, doing something else. Like that's a shortcut that you can. Um, sort of short circuit the process with but otherwise you're just going to have to do it a lot of times to be able to know uh, to know what to do you know like when i sit down now uh, to start a new project in xcode like i know i, I have i have a sense of where to go that that is more instinctual um than, than you know when i started to begin with i had it's been you know, my first projects i had no idea what i was doing and it would just sort of waddle waddle around and hoped hopefully like i bumped into things that ultimately stuck but now i have a better sense of that and that just takes time and patience um and hopefully you know just the tenacity to not get discouraged when the first you know you're you're displeased with that first thing you you make because if you obviously if it ultimately it'd be really I would be kind of worried in some ways if I made something and the first time, the first time I tried something new, um, it was perfect. Like it's like, that's in, in many ways more worrying to me that somehow I was able to, you know, do this thing that looks like it should be really hard or worthwhile, um, with, you know, perfectly out, out, out the gate. Um, like that's just not the way 
that's just not the way life works in my, in my experience. We are sponsored this week by Linode. Linode offers fast and powerful web hosting options. And talk about doing things for the long haul. Uh, Linode has been in business for, I think, I, I mean, I have my first reference that I ever heard of them was in 2008. Um, so and they've so they've been in business at least since then. Uh, I've been using Linode since 2011, so almost as long as I have been a podcaster. Um, and they are wonderful. They are my favorite web host, bar none. I have used. It took me, it took me many tries over a long time uh, to find a good web host. Uh, I've tried many other ones, and Linode is by far my favorite. And their plan started at just five dollars a month for a virtual Linux server in their cloud with one gig of RAM at that price. And, of course, they offer many more tiers if you'd, if you'd like them. So whether you are first getting started with your very, very first server or you've been doing this for a very long time and are deploying a complex multi-server system, Linode is the best choice. They have the fastest hardware, they have the fastest network, and fantastic customer support behind it all. And it's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. They guarantee 99.9% uptime, and they're great for a wide variety of tasks. So you can host very simple things, very simple websites or like little applications, or you can host large databases, mail servers, private Git servers, and so much more. They have fantastic pricing options at Linode. You can get a server with one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. You can go all the way up at different stages to up to 16 gigs of RAM for just 60 bucks a month, and even more above that if you really need it. Uh, across the board, they're offering twice the amount of RAM that you'll get elsewhere. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you not only will be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code radar2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show for the long haul. So, so the other things that I think are kind of important to unpack if you want to sort of thinking about how you can build something that hopefully is you know successful over the long term is, in a weird way, the most important thing is things that are barriers to getting started in the first place. Because if you, if you can't start, then there's no way that you're going to um, you know, have something that you know, can, can last a long time. Um, and in many ways, in my experience, like getting started is the hardest part, like the, like getting that first episode out or shipping that first app or whatever it is, the, that first version of it is the hardest one. Once you've done that, you, now you have this basis from which you can draw from and then with which you can improve, um, from. And so, you know, thinking about things that are, make it hard to get started, um, seemed a worthwhile discussion. And I think the first place that I wanted to unpack is something that I've, when, when, when you're, you know, being a, having been an independent f- developer for a long time now, um, I've had many discussions at conferences and meetups or things like that where I kind of t- get, talk to somebody and they they kind of have the like, oh man, you're living the dream. Like one day I'd love to be an indie too. Uh, and it's it's funny because initially I think I was just in, always entirely like um, encouraging, motivating, like yeah, you could totally do it. Like it's awesome. Um, you know, go for it. And one thing that I learned over time, though, and especially with people who I got to know, you know, got to know more personally, is often I think you may actually like the idea of something rather than the actual pursuit of it. And you enjoy the um, like the fantasy of whatever this thing is rather than the actually wanting the reality of it. Um, and that's not really a problem. Like that's in totally fine. And in, you know, like if, if that's something that, that that's enjoyable, like great, 
But it's also important, I think, to be honest with yourself about which of those things you're situations you find yourself in. Like I have a good friend who he always talks about wanting to be an independent developer, but the reality is I'm pretty confident he would hate it and he just loves the idea of it. And like as once I sort of got to know him well enough that I understood this about him, I changed how I talked to him. And it's just like the, it's a different kind of a thing. I'm rather than getting like deep and practical about when he has an idea or a project he's working on, like how to, how he's going to actually end up shipping it. It's like, he just enjoys making projects that never see the light of day. And like, that's great. Like enjoy that, but be honest with yourself not just say like, Oh, one day I'll be, one day I'll be an independent app developer. You know, one day I'll do this one day. I'll do that. Like, that's not really the truth. It's like you may just enjoy the sort of the fantasy of that. And if you're, if you're honest with yourself, that's probably good. But if you're not, and if you actually do, like if you look at yourself and you say like, this is something I want and this is something that um, I want to pursue and I want, I'm sort of looking forward to the sort of the difficult pursuit of getting there. The most important thing is just to start doing it, um, which is overly simplistic, but like, is incredibly powerful. Like I remember I, how I got into podcasting and it's just, I'm not sure if I've told the story on the show before, but I, for a long time wanted to do like I, I, at the period of time I was just loving podcasts. I was listening to podcasts all the time and I kept having this feeling of like, you know, I wonder if I could do that. And I remember listening to an episode of back to work. Like this is with Merlin Mann, Dan Benjamin. Like this is probably back in the, the first like five or six episodes of that show. And I remember one of the things Merlin said was like if you think you want to do something and i think he was using it in the context of writing but it worked just as well for podcasting he was like you just need to sit down and do it every day for a month and at the end of that month you will either love writing or in this case podcasting um or you'll hate it but you'll know that and if you love it then you'll have this experience that you can draw from and improve prove upon um and if you hate it then at least you can like put that dream aside and sort of not waste time with it and in my case i was like you know I like, it's just one of those things where it clicked and I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I recorded the first 30 episodes of develop, or I guess it wasn't the, I think I did, I did five days a week. So it wasn't, it would have been 20 episodes, the first 20 episodes of developing perspective. I recorded, you know, one each day for five, you know, five episodes a week for a month. And I'm sure hardly anybody listened to them, but I went through the process of doing it and I got to the end and I was much better than I was in the beginning. And I found that I really enjoyed it. And the sort of the just rather than trying to um, guess as to whether I would enjoy it, it's like let's just try it. It was just a month. Like if I tried this for a month for th- and that you know developing perspective was fifteen minutes a day. Like it was a very short show. Like I just by getting started though, I learned that I enjoyed it. You know, and now you know six and a half year whatever years later, I'm still doing it because I made that choice back then to just get started to just see if I actually um, enjoyed it. And rather than just leaving it as this kind of vague, amorphous dream that's just hanging off on the side. Yeah, and and it's important also, like to to learn that to to be honest with yourself when you when you are about to start doing something like that. Like, are you thinking about doing this thing or or wanting to do this thing because you are likely to enjoy the process of doing it, um, and and that you might want to do it for a long time. Or is something else maybe biasing your opinion here? So, like, you know, if it's if it's a hobby that requires you to buy new gear, <laughs> this is a common thing. Whether it's fancy notebooks all the way up to video cameras, like, are you wanting to do this because you like buying new gear, 
or because you actually want to do the thing, you know, and, and I, I am a victim of this myself constantly. <laughs> I love buying new gear and oftentimes I buy more gear than I actually want to end up using it long term. Um, video was a great example of that. Um, or like, you know, one of the reasons why I want to be on YouTube in some way greater than I am now is because there's a ton of people there and I want to be able to grow my audience for my other stuff using YouTube as leverage. That's not a great reason, honestly. Like, that, well, all that's saying is I want to succeed in my other stuff, not that I want to make videos. And, and so, you know, you have to be careful when you're when you're looking at something to, you know, as a new project. Like, are you interested in it for reasons that are likely to succeed for you, likely to work out for you, or are you interested in it because you want to buy fancy gear or you want to make money or something like that? Yeah, and I mean to that end, I mean I remember, it's a good example of I, I I suffer from the same like gear and equipment um, distraction yeah, with with new with new projects, and it's so easy I think to focus on the gear or the equipment um, rather than the actual work to be done. And like I remember I made had made the had to make the choice with podcasting as an example. Like the reason the first episodes are recorded on that USB headset that I had sitting in my closet is because I said to myself, if I do this every you know five days a week for a month, then I can buy myself a nice microphone. And I pushed the gear choices and the that sort of those distractions off into the future and said that it's better for that first episode to sound a little crackly and to sound not perfect. It's far better for that and for me to actually do it and rather than sort of like perseverating back and forth about which microphone should I get. Um, it's like pushing those things off both is helpful in removing the distraction now um, as well as in that case, like it was a nice incentive that I had gave for myself that like when I got to the end of that month and I had been doing it, it's like I have this nice reward waiting for me that like I feel like I earned, which was in itself then motivating and encouraging to keep at it because like, Hey, now I've got a good microphone. I'm going to sound even better. Um, and so pushing those kinds of distractions off as much as you can, can be incredibly helpful. You know, it's like, don't worry about, Ooh, what kind of micro, what kind of Mac do I need to get if I want to be a developer? It's like any Mac will do. It doesn't matter. Like just start doing it. And you, you know, if, if, and when it becomes something that needs more, like more horsepower and become, and you need a bigger computer. Great. Like, but that's going to be down the road. It doesn't have to be right now. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, like you know, gear selection not only can be uh, a way that you know that can bias you into choosing something that maybe you shouldn't or don't or won't want to do long term, um, but it also can be a procrastination mechanism. It's like, well, I can't start this podcast until I have a really great microphone. And it's going to take me six months to research that or to waffle over which one to get or to get enough money to get a really good one. Um, whereas, like, you know, just starting and just trying it with whatever you have is way more likely to succeed because, like, you know, it, it jumps you over that first hurdle of, like, getting the minimum gear you need to do a thing into actually doing the thing because that's the harder thing to keep up over the long term. Anybody can buy a microphone, but not not everybody can show up every week and make a podcast that they enjoy making and that anyone else enjoys listening to. Um, that's like the actual making of the thing, the actual doing of the thing is going to take way more time long term. And and whether you can and enjoy doing that, uh, it matters way more than whatever gear you picked at the beginning. So like it helps to jump right over the gear selection in the in like a fast, easy way possible just so you can then get to the actual hard part to see if you can actually keep up the content side of it. Yeah. I mean, 
and I'm trying to think of the other things that are hard to keep me from starting. And I think the last one is probably a good place to, to, to wrap up is I was thinking about the fear of the fear of failing or just like fear in general. Um, that is, I think that is so often a thing that has held me back from doing something is that I can imagine like the worst case scenario. Um, and I make that actually bigger than it actually is. Um, and like something that I have been trying, I mean, this is like true in life, but works well for something uh, like, like this discussion is, you know, to really ask myself if failing would be as bad as I fear it might be. You know, if you start something and you put some time and effort into something and it turns out like in, in general, like most people's version of failure is like obscurity. Um, you know, like your app doesn't sell, your podcast isn't listened to, um, your, no one reads your blog post. Like obscurity is usually the worst case scenario. And like, it's great. You fail alone. Yeah. Like if anything, <laughs> that's like, that's great. And if no one knows you failed, like, yeah, okay, no one sees it. You, you can try again. Um, and like, maybe that gets slightly more complicated if you establish a bigger audience down the road, like it gets slightly trickier. Um, but even there, like I found it's like, I've even, even once I've had a slightly bigger audience for my apps and like when I first launched them, they are, get a lot more attention. It's like, I still launched some pretty terrible things and like, it's okay. It's fine. Like people forget, people forget failures pretty quickly. Um, like they remember your successes and they kind of tend to forget your failures for the most part. So don't worry about it. Like just move on with it and try. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we have for this week. So good luck, everybody, with whatever you're going to start. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.